test the waters in the city of Rosamond. And so they launched an effort to start a business there, not knowing that a pandemic was fixing to hit. It's very, very difficult for small businesses to survive in the midst of a pandemic. It's interesting politically because most people talk about corporations and how corporations like to pad their pockets and the corporations during a, this pandemic have uh, been booming. Your big box stores, your Targets, your Walmarts, your Lowe's, your Home Depot, your Costco's and the people that are the hardest hit are your small businesses. It's quite a struggle. And so brother and sister Cosme and their daughter, and then they had a daughter in the process of all of that, uh, launched out to try to see if God would work unbeknownst to them. Uh, they entered into a very difficult time. But we want to say to them that we are thankful for their attitude of trying to reach out beyond the borders. I think that should be all of our desire in prayer. Whatever borders there are in your life, you need to constantly ask God to enlarge your borders, which sometimes that means going into uncomfortable spaces and trying to reach out and trying to respond in whatever way. You could even do that even in your local sanctuary. Rather than getting comfortable, say, God, push me out of my comfort zone and allow me to do something that is, is something beyond what I've done in the past. I want to do great things for you. This should be our prayer and our passion. And somebody said, amen. Amen. And so that's what they have done. And they are trying to slowly reset the table and uh, figure out how to move from that position of where they are. And so he is here tonight and he is with us and he is going to preach the word of God to us. Amen. An evangelist. Our evangelist tonight is Brother Bryce Cosme. He's no stranger to this church and has been a great, great help. And uh, we want him to come to this pulpit and preach the word of God. As he comes, let's stand to our feet and let's acknowledge that God's goodness to us and his preached word to us that saves us is fixing to happen. Would you put your hands together and welcome Brother Bryce Cosme as he comes. God bless you, Brother Cosme. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's lift our hands all across this house. Let's entertain the presence of the Lord. What did you come tonight needing? What did you come tonight expecting? What did you come searching for? I came tonight wanting the will of God. Does anybody want the will of God in your life? Praise the Lord. So glad to be in Bakersfield tonight with all of you. Thank you so much, Brother Bradford, Sister Bradford. We love you. Appreciate this church. It's a strong beacon of truth, and uh, it's a solid place. It's always going to be here. I remember uh, when you're growing up, uh, when I was growing up in this church, it was, even when it was Brother Bradford as the pastor, it was still like, oh, that's Brother Frost Church, and uh, who's the pastor? Oh, yeah, Brother Bradford. But now, this is Brother Bradford's church. He is the pastor of GBFPC, and people know, amen, the powerful work that he has done here, and he's respected. I go to other states, and his name is respected. He's a conference preacher. He's a man of God, and I'm so thankful that he's my pastor. More than anything else in your life, 
you need a pastor, not a mentor, not just a, a backslid uncle or a cousin that has conspiracy theories, but you need a pastor that can tell you the word of truth and can give you a direction for your life because he's accountable for your soul and you need a pastor. Thankful for my pastor, thankful for my family, thankful for my wife and my daughters and just been a crazy year but I'm thankful for the ark of safety which is the house of God the ark of safety which is the house of God I don't want to take a lot of time tonight but I do feel like the Lord has given me something to share and I believe that it will encourage uh, many of you if not most of you I believe tonight uh, there is something in this for you if you would turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter number 24 We're going to begin reading at verse number 15. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 15 says, Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. Tonight, for a few moments, I want to entitle this message, A Warning to the Thief, but a Message to the Lord. A Warning to the Thief but a message to the Lord. If you would put your Bibles down, let's lift our hands one more time toward heaven and let us pray with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. I want to cross over tonight from what is possible in the realm of humanity and I want to get into the realm of the supernatural I want to feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this service tonight I don't want to just leave and say well that was a good service but I want to leave and say my life my destiny my future everything that I was going through has completely changed come on somebody come on somebody Amen. Amen. If you feel that way, you may be seated tonight. As we go through the Bible, one of the most important things to consider as we read is the context of the words that we are reading. Many religions, many denominations, many split-offs have taken place because people go through the Bible and will take one verse to mean something all on its own. They can take something and make a doctrine over one verse. But as we go through our Bibles, the apostolic way to interpret the Bible is to compile the entirety of Scripture and to find the greater truth and let Scripture interpret Scripture. We don't have to uh, give a commentary on everything and explain it, but if we just let the Word of God be the Word of God, so many places today are not preaching the whole gospel of the truth because they don't really know how to explain certain parts of the Bible. 
They don't really know how to explain what it means when it says repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what do they do? They'll take it out of context. But as we read through our Bibles, we have to consider the context of the words that we're reading to be accurate. Who was it written by? Who was it written to? What was the time frame of the writing? What was written in the preceding verses? What was written in the following verses? And you begin to do what is known as exegesis. You are, you are breaking down the word of God accurately because you're putting it all together. So many different doctrines have been built over one verse. And they take that all the way to the bank. But the majority of misinterpretation of God's word is by taking things out of context. Something even we've been guilty of, just an example so you see what I'm saying, is in the book of John chapter number 12 and verse 32. Jesus said, And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And we read that verse and we've preached it. You need to lift him up so he'll draw all men unto him. There's a Pentecostal classic. He said, if I be lifted up. And we, we sing it and we see it as the lifting up of our praise or the lifting up of our worship. But when you put it into context, what does it really mean? Well, we read the next verse. Verse 33. This he said, signifying what death he should die. We're singing it. He's talking about the Roman practice of nailing criminals to a cross and lifting up their bodies for all to see. Jesus was speaking to his followers of his crucifixion and ultimately his death. Put it into context. We shouldn't be afraid of context. You shouldn't say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore the context so I can run with this and preach it. No, you should respect the context of the word of God. It makes it greater. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 9 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. We put the word of God in context. Context, context, context. So important. And as we consider the idea of context, and we go back to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 24, we can very easily set all of our attention on what I would call the highlight of the chapter, which is verse 16. Verse 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. And we've, we've highlighted that verse, and we've, we've quoted that verse, we've preached that word, verse, and it's, it's very powerful, and I'm not taking away standing alone. That is a very powerful scripture. But when I look at the context of it, I find that there's something a little bit more than just what we see on the surface. Because verse 16 is a continuation of verse 15. Because verse 15 says, Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous, and spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again. 
Verse 16 is in fact clarifying uh, what it means when it says, Lay not wait against the dwelling of the righteous. In other words, Solomon is giving a warning to a wicked man who is also a thief who would try to plot against the people of God. He says, oh, wicked man, your efforts and your work and your desire to destroy the righteous is going to be in vain. Because when a righteous man falls, he's getting right back up. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, hang out with me for a minute. I'm going somewhere. You can come against them with everything you want, but you will not be successful in their downfall because they're going to keep moving forward. This reminds me of what Micah said in verse 8 of chapter 7 when he said, Arise not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, for when I fall, not if I fall, but when I fall, I shall arise. This is the warning to the thief. The warning to the thief is you can throw everything, including the kitchen sink at me, but I'm going to rise up from the pain. I'm going to rise up from the distractions. I'm going to rise up from this season because there's something greater that is within me. 2 Corinthians 4 says we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but we're not destroyed. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not giving out. Come on, somebody. This is a warning to the thief. You may be seated tonight. The warning to the thief. (laughs) You're not going to stop me from accomplishing the purpose that God has placed on my life. If we're not careful and if we're not on guard, the hardships and the trials in our life can become thieves. Guilt can develop into the thief of the ability to go beyond failures that can never be undone. We step forward, but we're reminded of the guilt. Grudges can become thieves of forgiveness towards those who have hurt and disappointed us in the past. They may not even remember it. They may not even, uh, you bring it up to them, they don't even recall it. But you know what? The grudge that's within you is holding back the forgiveness towards them. Bitterness will poison every aspect of our life, emerging as the thief of our peace and of our healing. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping that it hurts someone else. Bitterness is a toxic way to live your life. This week, I came across the story of Cheryl McGinnis, someone who lived through about as a bad situation as I can find. One morning in the late summer, Carol McGinnis' 
uh, husband Tom woke up like normal, went to work like normal uh, early in the morning before sunrise. A few hours later, she went to work taking her kids to school and settled into her morning routine. A few hours later, her phone started ringing one call after another. And every call was asking her if Tom was at work. Her phone would then ring from someone else, again asking if Tom was at work. She knew that something was going on, but she had no clue of what it was. Eventually, she asked what was happening, and a friend finally responded, A plane has been hijacked. For hours, as friends and family arrived at their home on the fateful morning of September 11th in 2001, Cheryl was unable to get a response from anyone who knew where Tom was. Tom was an airline pilot for the American Airlines. But when the chief pilot of the airline showed up at her home, she learned what had happened. American Airlines Flight 11, on which Tom had been the co-pilot, was the first plane that crashed into the World Trade Center. And Tom and everyone else on board that day were now dead. Facing such an extreme tragedy, Cheryl McGinnis coped with her loss as best as she could. She pulled herself through the heartbreak and through the tragedy and planned her husband's funeral and even grew the courage to speak there, which she had never done in public. She continued to take care of her children. She continued to take care of her responsibilities. She continued to make sure that her household was going to be okay as a single parent. Three years after the death of her husband, Cheryl McGinnis published a book entitled The Beauty Beyond the Ashes. And in it she wrote, as unfair, unreasonable, and impossible as it seems, we still have work to do after a tragedy occurs. We still have roles to fill. We still have a responsibility to our family, fair or not, that is reality. Life may pause for a moment, but we can never allow it to stop. Life may pause for a moment, but we can never allow it to stop. Our ability to overcome spiritual and emotional battles is connected to the realization of the purpose that still lies within our future. Purpose is what drives someone to keep moving forward through the heartbreak, through the abandonment, through the brokenness, through the pain. There's something within me that is a heartbeat. And that heartbeat lets me know that there's still purpose for my life. There's still something ahead of me that needs to be done. Our existence has purpose. Our walk with God has purpose. Our family and our children have purpose. I've got a warning to the thief. There's too much purpose on my life for me to ever think about giving up. You may be seated. We cannot let our struggles our mistakes and our disappointments to become excuses to turn our back on God and to throw everything away. You may have lost some ground, but you haven't lost all your ground. There's still a purpose to go forward. 
Philippians 3 and 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. If you can't do anything else, this one thing is what you should do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's purpose on your life. You may not see it now. You may not feel it now. But you know that there's something greater ahead of you. Why is it that we drive through neighborhoods of houses that we know we can't afford right now. And we'll walk through the model home. Because we know right now I may not be where I'm at or where I'm going to be. But you know what? There's a day coming. I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to pick one of these out. I may pull up to church tonight in a pinto. But there's a day coming when I'm I'm going to fulfill the purpose and the calling that is upon my life. Because we know where I'm at today. Just hold on. I'm not going to be here forever. Brother Raymond, you know why you became a nurse? Even though your past said you couldn't do it, you know why you stayed up all night doing homework and doing care plans and drinking so much coffee? You probably should have OD'd from Starbucks. You know why? Because there's purpose in the future. And today, he's a nurse. He used to be a felon. But now, see the purpose of God. I'm not where I'm at, but that's not going to stop me from going forward. You may be seated. I see it. I see the promise. I see the process. And I'm going to keep going forward because there's purpose on my life. The warning to the thief is that I am living for more than myself. And I've got, as the old song says, too much to gain, to lose. There's too many sunsets that lie beyond the mountains. There's too many rivers that my feet have walked through. There's too many treasures that are waiting over yonder. And there's too much to gain, to lose. There's value in your life. There's value on your ministry. There's value in your family. You may feel like putting in a two-week notice tomorrow. But let me tell you, continue, continue, continue. Continue because the purpose is within you for greatness. The musicians can come to the music. I'm almost finished. But you know what the problem is so many times? We feel like we don't have purpose because we're listening to the outside voices. We're listening to someone that says, you're never going to get there. You'll never be that. You'll never graduate. There's people today in church. You're a father even though you never had a father. You're a mother even though you never really had a mother. You know why? Because you were, over to, oh, you were able to overcome those things which are behind you. You were able to make a difference in your family despite everything that was in your past. Because we know that where we find ourselves today or whatever our past has to say to us in condemnation and guilt that there is something greater and we're going to keep going forward I 
read that verse. The verse says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and he told me this story. He said, you know, he said, I, I've got an interesting story about that verse. Said, really? He said, yeah. He said, it was in the deep south, and there was a woman in pre-service prayer. She was walking back and forth. And she was speaking in tongues and she was getting the victory. And then she'd stop for a second and she'd say, so? And then she'd keep walking. She'd keep praying. She'd keep speaking in tongues. She was just getting blessed. And then she'd stop and say, so? And then keep walking and keep praying and keep getting blessed. And everybody's noticing it. It's kind of getting funny. And the pastor walked up to her and said, sister, why is it that you just stop and you say, so? She said, well, pastor, last night I was reading the verse that David wrote in the book of Psalms. It said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. She said, and right now my son's in jail. My family's a mess. Everything's torn apart. But when that comes to my mind, you know what I'm telling the devil? So? I'm going to keep walking forward and I'm going to keep getting the victory and I'm going to keep being faithful and I'm going to keep fighting the battle. So? So what? Whatever. You're not going to stop me. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in because there's purpose that is within my life. Somebody lift your hands right now and give the devil a so what. I'm stressed out, but so what. The doctor didn't give me the report I wanted, but so, 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 so. I'm in the house of God and there's purpose on my life. So we know what the warning to the thief is. So what is the message to the Lord? The message to the Lord is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for I know that thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We're going through everything we're going through in life. And you know what happens so many times? We give up on faith because faith is, is kind of an expectation of something that's about to happen. But some of us haven't had our prayers answered yet. And some of us are still waiting for some kind of faith to just take over and change everything. But you know what I've had to learn? That when you don't get your prayer answered immediately, you need to graduate from the place of faith in God to the place of trusting God. I've got a message to the Lord that says in the middle of everything that I'm going through, I'm going to trust in you. Are you hurting? Are you in pain? Are you suffering? Are you depressed? Are you wondering where the answer to your prayer is? So many get up really, really high on faith. Because faith is supposed to move the mountains. Faith is supposed to change the situation. But sometimes what we need to do is change ourselves so that we can trust God through the situation. Faith, I'm almost done. Faith expects things, but trust is able to accept things. Faith produces a change, but trust submits to unchanged conditions. Faith is always reaching, but trust learns how to remain faithful. Faith is rushing, but trust knows how to wait on the Lord. Faith is believing, but trust is knowing. I know my Redeemer 
lives. You may have wanted your deliverance. We can start coming to the front to pray. You may have wanted your deliverance. You may have wanted every prayer to be answered. But you know what? It's been six months and you're still right where you were. Maybe it's time to just trust God and say, God, I'm believing in the greater purpose of everything that's going on. You know what happens sometimes when we're, we're following after God. We want Him to lead us and we want Him to guide us. But you know, we're expecting Him. We're expecting Him to be somewhere out there in front of us. But you know what? I feel like God many times, as it says in Psalms 23 and 6, goodness and mercy, it's following us all the days of our life. Sometimes God doesn't lead us like Abraham. He went to a city that he knew not, whose builder and maker was God. He was walking forward without seeing where he was going. But there was a God behind him that was leading him and guiding him because God has to get us to the position to receive everything that he has for us because when God and his word is able to get us to the position that he wants that's when his word can come to pass I wonder today, what is it that you're praying for? What is it that you're believing for? What is it that you're struggling with today? I've got a warning to the thief that in the middle of everything I'm going through, you're not going to destroy me. And I've got a message to the Lord that says, even when I don't understand it, I'm still going to trust in you. Every hand lifted across this house. God, let a spirit of trust come upon each and every life. Do you trust him? You've lost loved ones. Do you trust him? You've lost great opportunities. Do you trust him? This year has been a very fearful year and you don't know what's going to happen next. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So find a place to pray in the house of God tonight.